This is the Morning Press, a BrainIron.com production. Here's 11 minutes or so of news for today, Wednesday, January 24th, 2024. Former President Donald Trump won the New Hampshire Republican primary election on Tuesday night, securing over 54% of the vote total en route to picking up 12 of the 21 delegates available to be claimed from the state. Nikki Haley, Trump's lone remaining Republican challenger, received 43% of the vote and will be awarded the remaining nine delegates. Turnout was robust. The state set a new record for votes cast in a state GOP primary, with more than 300,000 people showing up. Haley struck an optimistic tone in her address to supporters after major news outlets had called the contest for Trump, insisting that she would be staying in the race despite the seeming inevitability of Trump's eventual victory. Though it's not clear how she could win the Republican nomination at this point, Haley's remarks were as sharply critical of Trump as she has ever been, questioning his mental competence, pointing to his ongoing numerous legal troubles, and making note of Trump's less-than-winning electoral record. The performance appeared to infuriate her opponent, who, after posting several all-caps dispatches to his social network blasting Haley, took the stage in front of supporters and gave a speech focused extensively on her, insisting that she was delusional, that she would be investigated and bad things would come out about her, and that she was nattily dressed. Next up on the nomination contest calendar is a state-run primary in Nevada on February 6th, an event that will award no delegates to the winner because the Republican National Committee objected to the state legislature's attempted takeover of the process. Nikki Haley and a number of other candidates who have already left the race will appear on the entirely symbolic primary ballot, while Trump has elected not to, opting instead to compete only in the RNC-run caucuses two days later, which will award delegates. Only Trump and Ron DeSantis, who dropped out of the race last week, will appear on caucus ballots, so this is a contest Trump has effectively already won. Also on February 8th, the U.S. Virgin Islands will hold their caucuses, a contest in which just four delegates are at stake. Haley will spend the bulk of the next month trying to improve her standing in her home state. The South Carolina primary is on February 24th, with 50 delegates at stake, and Trump currently enjoys a nearly 40-point edge in polling averages in the state. A brief editorial aside, while it's certainly the case that Haley has no apparent path to victory in the Republican nomination process, it's interesting, if a bit disheartening, to watch the performances that each gave before supporters last night and imagine what could have been if Haley had really tried to win this thing from the beginning. Her optimism in defeat and the consistent sunny needling of Trump's shortcomings and vulnerabilities provoked an extremely hostile response from him in a way that I think is particularly off-putting to anyone but his most committed supporters and turned what should have been a simple victory speech into 20 minutes of seething and whining. She clearly gets under his skin, especially in the last couple of weeks, and the angrier he is, the more likely he is to say increasingly awful things that remind everyone else just how unpleasant and mean he can be. Six months or a year of Trump making racially charged and gender-specific denigrating remarks about a woman who worked capably in his administration and left on good terms, just because she keeps telling something like the truth about him. 
would not have been helpful to his cause, I don't think. And if it had become clear, way back in the summer, that Haley was his primary antagonist in the party, we might never have seen the field expand the way it did. But even if the field had remained unchanged, perhaps this air of open hostility would have created an environment that showed the party was willing to challenge Trump in a way we mostly didn't see throughout this process. This is all besides the point, of course, because he will be the nominee, but his brittleness at any perceived challenge, perhaps especially from a capable, affable, attractive woman, betrays the same sort of weakness that is evident in his so far rather non-dominant securing of the nomination. His sway with those who love him is nearly absolute. His appeal to everyone else has never been weaker. It's just the shame Haley didn't really start trying to win until last week. Kevin Monaghan, who on April 15th of 2023 fired a shotgun from his porch at three vehicles that were using his driveway to turn around, was found guilty on Tuesday of the second-degree murder of Kaylin Gillis, a passenger in one of the cars he fired upon. Monaghan took the stand in his own defense and claimed he was awakened by the cars and worried that he and his wife were under siege, and so loaded his shotgun and proceeded outside, where he says he first fired a warning shot into the air before tripping on some loose nails and accidentally firing another shell, which killed the 20-year-old Gillis. The jury deliberated for just two hours before returning a guilty verdict on all charges, which included reckless endangerment, evidence tampering, and the murder charge. Prosecutors will seek a prison term of 25 years to life for the 66-years-old Monaghan when he is sentenced in March. A brief editorial aside, I can't help but feel bad for this convicted murderer, this shotgun-wielding lunatic, not because he doesn't deserve to be punished for what he did, which he clearly does, but because I can't imagine living in such a constant state of mortal terror that the appearance of a couple of cars outside my house would drive me to brandish and fire a shotgun rather than simply wait to see what might happen in the next 30 seconds. What had he been filling his mind with? What unreliable anecdotes had he weaved into the kill-or-be-killed narrative that led him to do what he did? What bizarre lies had he been told about the circumstances of the world just outside his front door in rural New York could have convinced him that the correct thing to do when some headlights flash through the windows is to have the wife swap places with the shotgun in the closet and start blasting? I feel immeasurably worse for his victim, of course, but I can't help but wonder how he could have ended up so broken and mistaken about the world as to see a mortal threat in every shadow. In even briefer news, a Boeing 757 taxiing to prepare for takeoff from Atlanta's International Airport on Saturday had a wheel pop off its front landing gear and go rolling off the runway and down a hill. No one was hurt, and the passengers were deplaned and put on a replacement flight. But the incident is just the latest in a month of turbulence and tumult for the manufacturer, which has seen its stock price fall by 20% since a recent peak in December. The Russian Defense Ministry on Wednesday accused Ukraine of shooting down a plane carrying 65 Ukrainian prisoners of war, resulting in 74 deaths. 
The Russians say the plane was on its way to complete a prisoner exchange when two missiles were launched from Ukraine's Kharkiv region, causing the deadly crash. Ukrainian officials have yet to confirm nor deny the claims, but said they were investigating. The Associated Press and other major news outlets have been so far unable to independently verify any of the Russians' claims. And the so-called doomsday clock has been set at 90 seconds to midnight, indicating that the relevant experts believe that humanity is as close to annihilating itself as it has been at any point since 1947. A brief editorial aside, the doomsday clock is obviously just a very silly, made-up thing about which no one should really concern oneself. It is the punxatani fill of humanity's inevitable end. But I've always been bothered by one thing in particular about the formulation of its underlying metaphor. Why are we supposed to be so terrified about midnight? Midnight just starts the next day. It is as unavoidable and natural and good as the passage of time itself. If you're going to do a fake countdown to something, make it zero. Zero is far more terrifying than midnight. In entertainment news, Jon Stewart will host The Daily Show on Mondays, beginning on February 12th and continuing through at least the 2024 election season, returning to a job he held from 1999 until 2015. The show will continue to feature a rotating cast of hosts on Tuesdays through Thursdays, as it has since Trevor Noah departed in 2022. In sports news, Adrian Beltre, Todd Helton, and Joe Maurer will be inducted into the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame this summer, while Gary Sheffield fell short of the honor in his last year of eligibility. To the ongoing discredit of the Baseball Writers Association of America, 75% of whom must vote for a player for him to be admitted to the Hall, Andrew Jones was once again denied recognition this year with just three years of eligibility remaining. And in business news, Microsoft's total stock value crossed the $3 trillion mark on Wednesday when their shares hit a record high of over $405 each, putting them more or less on a par with Apple as the world's two most valuable companies. Remarkably, money isn't even real. On this day in history, January 24, 1973, the New York Times reported on the negotiated end to the war in Vietnam, an agreement that had been reached the day before. The paper reprinted President Richard Nixon's address to the nation of the previous evening in full, in which he announced the basic terms of the ceasefire and talked about building a lasting peace. He concluded with some remarks about his predecessor, Lyndon Baines Johnson, who had died the day before on January 22nd. Quote, Just, just yesterday, a great American who once occupied this office died. In his life, President Johnson endured the vilification of those who sought to portray him as a man of war but there was nothing he cared about more deeply than achieving a lasting peace in the world. No one would have welcomed this peace more than he. And I know he would join me in asking for those who died and for those who live, let us consecrate this moment 
by resolving together to make the peace we have achieved a peace that will last. Thank you, and good evening. Now, here's a look at the weather. LBJ and Nixon weren't close. They were political rivals, and by many accounts, neither was a particularly good dude. And again, I don't want to pine for an imagined, more perfect past. But watching Trump and Haley talk about each other last night, and knowing what the next year of American politics is going to sound like, it's somewhat flabbergasting to hear how Nixon talked about the very recently dead LBJ and realize how unlikely it would be to hear anything like it today. We might rightly dismiss it as performative and self-serving, but maybe it's a reminder that we humans are often at our best when we're pretending to be better than we really are, that hypocrisy might just be an important virtue that separates us from the beasts we share the planet with, that a graceful, if self-interested, moment of somber reflection can make the world a very slightly more humane place. As Vonnegut said, we are what we pretend to be, so we must be careful about what we pretend to be. But the pretending works both ways, and if we can pretend to be better than we really are, we might not just appear so for the suckers on the other end of the television or the phone screen. We could very well fool even ourselves into actually being better people. Look around. It would certainly be better than the alternative. That's the weather from here. How's it look out your window? The Morning Press is a production of the BrainIron.com multinational media empire. Please direct comments and complaints to brainironpodcast at gmail.com. For a transcript of today's episode and links to the stories referenced, find The Morning Press at brainiron.substack.com, where, if you would like to support this and the other podcasting and blogging endeavors of the brainiron.com media empire, you can also become a paying subscriber. If you can think of anyone else who might enjoy whatever it is we're up to around here, please consider sharing. Thanks, and barring the sudden onset of the inevitable, we'll talk to you tomorrow. The proceeding was created with 100% human content.